Hi, everybody. This is Tony Kahn, the producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. Hello. Hi, is this Karen? Yes, it is. And you are a neighbor. True. No wonder we've never met. <laughs> there was a podcast months back about Tess DaCosta, mm-hmm. who you ran into in the Arlington Post Office. And I worked as a volunteer with Tess at the Children's Room, which is um, a center for grieving children who had either lost a parent or a brother or a sister. What is grief? It's not just pure sadness. It can be tinged with feelings of guilt. It's almost as if you lose a a limb of your body, something you assumed would always be there. Suddenly that's gone, and you have to look at yourself and say, who am I without that part of me? And each person has a different way that feels right at the children's room. There was a young girl who was probably about eight or nine, and her father had committed suicide. And even in the center of grieving children, other children who had lost a parent, she wouldn't reveal how he died. Mm -hmm. The children never have to speak about anything they don't want to. After she had been in the program for about a year, we were sitting around in a circle. When it came her turn to share about the cause of death, which is what the other children were talking about, I thought, oh, surely she's going to pass again. But she didn't. For the first time, she said, my father hung himself. I think she probably expected this huge silence. And there wasn't. And the next child went on about, you know, their parents' or mm-hmm. brother or sister's death. You know, they acknowledged her, gave her maybe a gentle rub in the back, and then they went on. Once she got over that huge hump of admitting he had committed suicide, she really lightened up a lot more. And it, it was just amazingly powerful. It's not a year of wailing and crying and, and you know, wearing black. I think it's a lifelong process of recognizing the person was there and always will be such a important part of your life. But as long as you talk about them, you remember them, they'll never really fully leave you. My own father died when I was fairly young. And I remember knowing that, you know, he may die. And I remember thinking, I can't handle it. It's, it's going to be just unbearable. I remember not crying very much during the funeral. No. I don't think I really started to grieve my father until um, I had children of my own and started doing this work at the children's room. And until I started remembering him and laughing about him and looking at his picture, I don't think I was fully grieving. You know, his own father died when he was five years old. And I remember asking him, what do you remember about your father? And he said, you know, the only thing I can remember now is him eating an egg, a hard-boiled egg. I watched him peel the shell off the egg, and I stood on a chair and looked over his shoulder. And I said, that's it? That's all you remember? And he said, for me, it's enough. Uh-huh. My father loved the beach, and he, and he repeatedly showed me how to make a clock in the sand by using a stick in the sun, you know, to create a sundial. Mm-hmm. So now when I go to the beach with my children, I do the same thing. He's gone, but he's not gone from my life or my family's life, and I can carry him with me for the rest of my life. And that's what grief, I think, is. It takes time. Yeah, it does. And you will say goodbye in the manner that's right for you. When you're ready. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's true.
Thank you very much, Karen. I really appreciate it. Really grateful that you took the time to talk with me. I'll, I'll see you around the block. Thanks. Take care. You too. Karen Dillon, someone in my own backyard. And uh, here we are back in the studio. I'm with Gary Mott. Boy, does that conversation touch on so much in my life, finished and unfinished business. Don't we all need a children's room? Some place <laughs> to go. You know, my uncle was killed in a plane crash in, in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I dated a girl who was killed by a drunk driver mm. the summer after high school graduation. When did you grieve for them? Did that take time? It did because I was so busy helping others in their grieving process. But then it hits you when you're alone, you know, at night. I didn't grieve my father for about seven or eight years. I remember when his mother died, I was maybe 14 years old. She died suddenly in New York. And when he came back, he was wearing a black armband, but he never talked about it. And all I could say was, gee, I'm really sorry. But I never got anything that was like an invitation to come into the children's room with me and we'll, and we'll talk about it. Breaks your heart thinking about the kid whose father hung himself. And yeah. to come to terms with that, I just hope that this child is able to keep connected with the children's room for, for years to come. Because this is something that is going to just be part of this child's you know, experience forever. Part of your story. You have to keep on telling and retelling to people who really care to listen. We just have to keep on doing this forever, Tony. I mean... Well, that, that may depend upon <laughs> a number of things, including Ipswich, our funder, since the start of this podcast. And we know where they're at. They're at Ipswich.com, their website, their leader in file transfer software. And also, whatever contributions we can get from our, our listeners through the website. Our homepage at WGBH.org slash Stories. Help support what we do here by contributing with credit card or uh, via PayPal if you like. This is something new that we're doing, and we hope that it works, that it's uh, just one more way in which we can help each other get those stories out. And if you're a regular listener, you may also have noticed that we've done something different today. Usually we start with a morning story, Gary and I, and talk a little bit about it, and then we'll go on to something else. But this time we're ending with our morning story because it's the the kind of story that leaves you kind of speechless uh, about the only thing you really want to pay attention to are the feelings that come up inside you. A story that came to us from a a young woman and mother in Indiana named Katrina Murray. We call it The Family Tree. We spent the first year in our new home at war with birds over grass seed. My mildly willing children and I struggled to soften the ground for flowering plants. For our new home, I wanted an old yard, just like the one in front of my grandmother's small house in Indiana. A green carpet dotted with old trees. In the fall of our third year, when planting season was soon to end, I borrowed my daughter's small pickup truck and drove to a lawn and garden shop to find the finishing touch our family tree. It was one of only two white pines left on the lot. The needles were soft, and the tree was just a little crooked. The salesman wrapped huge chains around the root ball to stabilize the tree while he lifted it with his machine. The truck moaned under the weight. 
I backed the truck up to the now woefully small hole in the ground. My teenage son and I shoveled and shoveled while my youngest watched. The kids pulled. I pushed. It barely budged. I pushed again with my shins, my knees, my feet, until the tree was top first in the hole. We stood the tree upright, shoved it off, and let it fall where it may. It worked. The kids and I stood back and sighed with accomplishment. Our pine tree would be in honor of our small family. We wished it a long, long life. As my children's birthdays came and went, the pine tree grew. It witnessed our discussions about first dates, driver's tests, and student elections. It witnessed prom night preparations and held our Christmas lights. It stood witness as the police officers brought my son home after vandalizing mailboxes and my son's later decision to serve his country. The pine was there on cool evenings while we exchanged fears over a small warm fire and spoke of our rock. And it was there, deeply rooted and tall on that cold, damp night. Two army messengers in full uniform and anxious faces knocked.